Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hello, David. How are you today, man? I'm doing all right. I had my pre-podcast shower. I decided it was such an irredeemably bad hair day. It's the kind of thing you don't have to worry about, but it happens to me from time <laughs> to time. I thought, no, I can't do this without cleaning up a little bit at least. Yeah, you've got a long ways to go, I know, but. And when you don't have hair on your head, you have to kind of remind yourself to have that shower because it's like it's not staring you in the face every five seconds. The greasy head of hair. All right. The Sam Gagne Hold, Keep, Hold, or Fold podcast, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Good thing about Sam Gagne. What do you like about the player, Bruce? <sighs> not that much, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I like that he's better than Ryan Spooner. I think the Oilers got better after uh, Keith Gretzky made that kind of saving grace trade before the deadline, after the after the change in management, because the Spooner for uh, Ryan Strom trade early in the year had been such a disaster that, um, uh, that Spooner was done here. In fact, he was in the minors, and Sam was in the minors in Vancouver. So it was a trade really that made sense from both sides. But uh, I think Sam was a noticeable step up, and the stats certainly support that. I think they each played 25 games, and Spooner had like three points, and Gagne had 10. All right. What I like, Bruce, this is going to shock you. I like Sam Gagne's defensive play. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the amount that I railed on about what a crappy defensive player he was in his first mm-hmm. day at Edmonton, especially as time went on and he didn't improve, because he was the poster boy. Sam Gagne was the poster boy, and I once got his agent got mad at me. Jeff Jackson got mad at oh, me yeah? on Twitter for saying this. Yeah. He was the poster boy for weak defensive play, for being on the wrong side of the puck in the defensive zone, cheating for offense. If there was a scrum on the boards, let's say there was a scrum on the half wall on the boards, you know, beside he'd be the face five off feet guy. on the offensive side of it, waiting no, for the well, puck to fishing, free. try to fish for the puck on the offensive side of it, rather than as the center on the right spot between the the puck and the net, right between his player and the net. He was always fishing for the puck. He was he wasn't great on the back check. He was misreading plays, like not covering the right guy. He wasn't strong in the corner. But, you, but so when he came back. That's the Sam Gagne I remember, but it's not the Sam Gagne that I saw when he came back. I saw a player who had figured it out defensively. Now, part of it, I think, was moving to the wing. I think center was too much to ask of at least Sam Gagne, yes. the 20, 22-23-year-old Sam Gagne. It was way too much to ask. Um, playing center is not easy. It takes complex defensive reads. You have to make them fast. You have to figure out who you're going to cover. You have to be constantly on a swivel looking around who to cover. That was his issue to me, was was his awareness. He just got so locked in on the puck defensively. I don't know how many times oh, I wrote about right. puck watching by, uh, by Gagne. And I remember writing an entire post about it once of, of basically screen grabs of Gagne getting caught out of position, someone getting in behind him for an easy goal in like a number, a number of them, like four or five in one post. And it was it was a persistent issue. So you know, as listeners and readers of the Cult of Hockey know, we track who makes the major mistakes on great A scoring chances against. 
<laughs> Sam Gagne didn't, we don't have a huge sample size, just 317 even strength minutes. Right. That's not that small. It's a fairly good chunk. Um, you know, you, you, five hours. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's enough. Like normally I set my minimum for the whole season at 300 minutes just to get, just to get rid of the guys at the very bottom end who didn't play a lot. I'll go as low as 200. Like I think mm-hmm. 200 minutes is you start to get into a reasonable, you start to get into a reasonable sample size around 200 minutes, which is a book, you know? So anyway, um, he, he had the least, uh, major mistakes on grade A scoring chances against of any Oilers winger, Bruce, who played more than 300 minutes, more than 200 minutes. And oh. it's um, more than 300 minutes. And um, he, so he, that's not bad. And it, he's not, you know, a whole lot less than other guys. Excuse, excuse me, Toby Reader was just a little bit lower. And Toby Reader is a defensively responsible hockey player, but Sam Gannon was in the exact same ballpark. And I just noticed he was on the right side of the puck almost every play and mm-hmm. taking his man. And, and I think that went a, just went such a long way in terms of um, him as a hockey player, being a useful NHL hockey player. I don't know when that happened in his game. But if, if he does that, Huntington. if he does that, Bruce, he can, be, he can play in the NHL for a few more years because he does have some offensive skill. He's a smart offensive hockey player. And if he can be really good defensively, which he, he has to be really good defensively, not just good. Um, then he can hang in there. And that's what I saw. I saw um, a good to really good defensive hockey player in Sam Gagne. And good for you, Sam Gagne. Way to go, man. You figured it out. Okay. Yeah, well, obviously his uh, his time in other NHL cities under other coaches uh, playing the position of wing, which was, you know, that was the thing. I mean, remember we had cogs and gags, and they were they, they both were these hotshot centers, and they both couldn't win a faceoff. They both had their defensive issues, and they both were a little bit uh, reluctant to be reassigned to a winger while in Edmonton. And they, they sent along uh, uh, Cogliano to get a second opinion, basically gave him away. Uh, and he wound up being a pretty tenacious, good penalty-killing, grinding winger in, An- in uh, Anaheim. And I'm not sure I quite put Gagne in that boat, but, uh, you know, he's, I think, more effective at the wing, and he, you know, he his defensive zone play was very much more winger oriented. Yeah. He should have probably always been a winger. Maybe. Uh, anyway, um, maybe I think it wasn't, it wasn't just his time in NHL cities that persuaded him to play. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> his time in AHL cities, I think that might've been a turning point. <laughs> That'll wake a guy up when he's been in the NHL since yeah. he was 18. And you know, it's hard. He's 29 and then the AHL. Huh? Yeah, that, that would. Because, you know, he has the potential, like, to get another contract after this if he can play well. So that's, you know, he's looking at 10 or $15 million maybe in future earnings if he can just get it in his head to do this correctly. It's a lot of incentive. Yeah. Um, well, although he's made probably, what, $30 million, I'm guessing $30 million. Just guessing. Well, better, better part of, I mean, the owner signed him to uh, three times 4.8 was the big deal that he signed here that the owners traded away as a cap dump, semi-cap dump. He's made Ted, thirty million, for, Bruce, for Teddy Purcell. So yeah, that, yeah, that sounds sounds reasonable. I'm not sure there's yeah. fifteen million in his future, but uh, you never know with a decent season. I mean, Jordan Everly today signed a five-year extension for five point five million dollars. So uh, it's Good possible, you, yeah, if you get hot at the right time, like Everly did, then uh, who in knows, right? Yeah, yeah. But anyways, I, I what what. 
what matters to us right now is he's one more year, $3.15 million. How, what percentage of that bet can he cover? And, and I think there's a chance he'll be a, um, a decent player next year, a decent third line player. Um, so <clears throat> what is your bad thing about San Gagne? <sighs> yeah, uh, that's a good question. I, you want I'm, me to go first? Yeah, you go for it. Now, let me, let slow, me know that. Come on, let's, he's slow. So yeah. the Oilers need um, yeah. speed on the wings. They need to get faster. And he's not faster. He's slower. He's a, he's a below average skater for an NHL winger. And um, he makes up for it with some really good passing and really good shooting. And he goes, I think he's fairly gritty in the offensive zone. I think he's a fairly gritty player. Uh, he's become one. There's lots yeah. to like. About yeah, his he's game. had a little bit of grit in his game. It's, but um, I just, he, man, the Oilers need speed, Bruce. Yeah. He's not that. Yeah. So that's my bad thing. What's yours? Yeah, well, when you talk about his, his speed, uh, what I've always noticed about this player uh, is the way he skates. Like when he gets the puck and he goes through the neutral zone, he skates like he's skiing a slalom, and he curves this way and he curves that way. I hate and, that. And he never like busts straight ahead and drives hard. And I mean, if you're skiing slalom and the other guys around you are in the downhill, guess what? They're going to get there first. It's the number one thing, Bruce. I teach as a minor hockey coach right now. Uh-huh. It is, I've been coaching minor hockey now for ten years, and the thing that I've come to believe more than anything else, the number one skill to teach players is to push the puck one-handed on their stick forward. You see McDavid do it a few mm-hmm. times a game, four or five, maybe even four. One-handed forward as fast as they can go on a straight line because I that don't... gives you the speed that you need on the attack to when you get to the blue line and have to make a move, you're going fast enough to get around the person or you can dump it in and you're around them. Too many players of this, weaving back and forth, weaving, and you see, and you see it at the NHL level. It's a habit. Sam Gagne developed so many bad habits mm-hmm. as a young player with the puck on his stick, the puck watching. The, the weak defensive play, the weaving around, like because there is a good hockey player there, he, like a yes. like he's he really has mm-hmm. a great mind with like he has great vision with the puck. That's what he's always had, really great offensive instincts and skills. There's so many other aspects of his game that he just mm-hmm. needed to have a great fundamental coach, and I, I he just seemed to miss that at some, may, uh, in, or he wasn't listening. But yeah, yeah. I, I I hear what you're saying there. Yeah, so I guess I'm going to go with, and this is more possibly on the Oilers than it is on Sam Gagne, but the bad thing was uh, them pushing him directly into the NHL age, barely turned 18. He has an August birthday. So he was 17 when they drafted him. He turned 18 that summer. They had, remember they had that world, or they had that junior summit series between the, the Russians and Canada? Yeah, he did very well. And, and Sam did well. He had opportunistic yeah. scoring is what I would say. And, and and he did, yes. And he came to the team, and, I mean, he had a, what was for a long time his career high, 49 points. <clears throat> you can't even say that he didn't that he sucked as a rookie, but uh, like a few of these guys, he came in and then he fell back a bit. And there just wasn't the underpinnings, the extra time in junior, any time in the AHL. And his flaws were, I think, exposed at the NHL level. And, I, I, you know... But Bruce, that's your bad thing. That's like you're digging the, pretty far back in the past. The flaw to me is in the development model. Well, the player, my bad thing is he's not worth $3.15 million. Okay. But is that on him or is that on Ryan Spooner and them having to salvage what they could out of a bad contract? 
and salvage they did. Let's give credit where it's due. Salvage they did because Gagne is a much better two-way hockey player than Ryan Spooner, I believe. He's much, maybe in a couple of years, maybe Ryan Spooner's got to spend a year in the minors or um, suffer a bit because <laughs> Gagne is a better player right now than Spooner. And, um, of course, Ty Raddy's a better player than either of them, in my opinion. But uh, that's a right. That's a issue. All right, what is your number? Oh, do we have, are we doing numbers? Uh, my numbers are possession numbers for uh, Gagne. Very good. Um, very strong uh, against uh, all competition except elite competition. He got clobbered. But playing against depth players on the other teams, uh, middle, middle or, or uh, low-end lines, uh, the Oilers carried the play and uh, did all right. So as long as he's put in the right environment, like don't be thinking about putting him up to the first line based on that at least, unless he proves that he's able to handle it different than he did last year. Uh, just um, uh, his, uh, at least there's some positive. He's one of the few Oilers who was over 50% in these various co- uh, categories, which is, of course, a break even. Though. So uh, I'm going to go with his numbers, his uh, scoring chance numbers. So he was both, in terms of for just someone who played wing exclusively, so not McDavid, Dreisaitl, and R R and H. The only winger who was consistently getting more scoring chance, grade A scoring chance shots on net than Gagne was Alex Chason. Mm-hmm. He was significantly ahead of yeah. of Gagne in that regard. But Gagne is right behind Chason. Again, two slow, kind of slow wingers, so it's a problem. Yeah. And in terms of like grade A scoring chance plus minus. Gagne's uh, was ahead of Chase on, and he was just uh, the only winger who was a little bit ahead of him was Ty Raddy. So mm-hmm. Sam Gagne, statistically, between uh, the possession numbers you're pointing out or scoring chance numbers, there's a real indication that he's an NHL hockey player right? Um, when he puts his mind to it. And he certainly had his mind put to it um, in the, what it was, how many games did he play for the owners? 25. 25. 25 games, 10 points, is that it? Yeah, five and five. So he he really um, he had kind of double the scoring numbers of Ty Ratty, Bruce. Interestingly, mm-hmm. yeah, I see Ty Ratty as 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 at least as good a player as Gagne. Though I just think Ty, Ty Ratty had really terrible puck luck um, last year. So I still haven't written that post. So I'm going to have to I write tend, that post. Yeah, I tend to agree on the puck luck for Ratty. Yeah. So, so what do you what do you, what do you do with this guy? Do we keep hold or fold? Well, with Gagne, um, there's no, of course, there's no choice, right? So there's he's key. But, well, there is a choice. Well, but... I guess you could try to trade him, right? Mm-hmm. Well, or, or you could <laughs> buy, buy him out, which is an option. Oh, geez, I don't like yeah. the buy. I don't him. like. I don't like the. You, you don't buy out. A, you it don't is. buy out a player who can possibly help you um, on your third line, and um, someone gets injured, might have to step up and play even higher in the batting order. So, I, I'll say he's a definite keep, and. Um, It'll be an interesting year for him. He might even be able to earn another contract, but the orders do need to get faster on the wing. That's definitely against him. But his 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 fate is bound with that of Alex Chason's Bruce. Um, if the orders don't bring back Chason, um, suddenly Gagne is going to be even more needed. And could he score as many goals as could? Like he's not the net front guy on the power play, but right. the Oilers need a okay. The right Oilers need. <laughs> An off-wing shooter. Did you notice something about the Boston power play, the vaunted Boston power play, which was truly excellent? They had Marchand on his mm-hmm. off-wing, and they had Pasternak and Krejci on the other side on their off-wings. 
That's, That's how you run a power play. Washington's and been doing it for years. I'm so sick of seeing stupid Oiler power plays where they don't take advantage of that. I just, I wish, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I can't do this data scraping. Like, you know, someone should do a data scraping project where they look at where goals are scored on the power play and whether it's off wing or not. Mm-hmm. And I bet you, you, you will find, I am, con- I am certain that you will find the most dangerous shot by far is the off wing one timer on a cross scene pass. And it's not close. It is the most dangerous shot by far. And if you're not trying to set up that play, you're, you're a stupid NHL power play coach. And we've had too much of it in Edmonton in recent years. And so Sam Gagne has the potential to be that player for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Can he shoot as well as Mark Letestu? Yes. And yeah. could he have 10 to 15 power play goals if he was used there? Like they had R&H there all year. Like I like R&H, but and he's not going to score a lot of one-timer goals. He, I think no. he scored maybe two or three on passes across because he's just not in position to shoot easily. Oh, or you're always shooting from a low angle. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure Sam's got the, quite the quick release that Latestu had. That's how he got all his goals was he'd just shoot right away and he'd find a hole sometimes. But um, uh, he does, you know, he's got a more skilled stick, and that's without a doubt. I looked up the buyout, by the way, and if they bought him out, uh, they would save 2.1 million in cap hit this year. So, oh, that is significant. That's that's a lot of money. I, but then they'd have an extra million to, on their cap next year. So that's a price you have to pay. <sighs> so you, you save a million. Yeah. This, you have a million on your cap this year and next year. Yeah. You need essentially you need a two million dollar player. That you, can you sign a two million dollar player like uh, Tobias Reader? Alex Chase uh, yeah, right. that's an interesting maybe, thought. Maybe that's your, that's your choice. Buy out Ganya, use the money to sign Reed, or a chase on. That's a good point, Bruce. That's a thought. I hadn't thought of that. So what I'm, do you think? I'm in the hold camp. I mean, I mean I, which is, in this case, I'm saying test your options. You have a, a couple of different things. And when Ken Holland said the other day, he's considering various scenarios of buying players out and what that would mean to the cap and what it would mean to the roster and and how they'd have to fill it. I would imagine that Gagne was one of the cases that he's considering. And I would say most of them they'll consider and say, no, we can't really do that. So I expect him to stay here, and I'm happy enough if he does. He's a, he's a likable enough player. And That's it's only, interesting. It's only one year, right? So Yeah, it's just one year, and it's, it's, it's just no bonus, right? So it's not one of those terrible contracts that kill you mm-hmm. when you buy them out. Right. So um, yeah, you're probably right about the uh, the hold. So there's the second buyout period right after July 1st because they'll know early in July if they can get Chase on or not. Right. And well, I think there's a second buyout period in that first week of July if you're if you're also entering into arbitration with a player or two, and you can always fake that. And yeah, that could go into well, I was thinking Kara. No, with Kara. He's, he's arbitration. Yeah, so you could say, listen, we, we need to sign you, but we need to drag it out a bit, and we're going to pretend mm-hmm. we're going to go to arbitration, but we have a deal done or whatever. Like, or they could actually go to arbitration with Kara mm-hmm. and um, leave that open, that window open, to see if they bring back Chase on or not, and then you make your decision. And that's an interesting one. I think if that is the decision, if they can't bring in a better scoring winger or two than Chase on, right. you know, I again, I'll go back to Ty Ratty. I I like Ty Ratty. And, you know, everyone's excited about the new Oilers player, Nygaard. You know, if Ty Ratty played in the Swedish League, how many goals do you think he'd score? Based on last year, about six. 
I bet you he'd lead. Oh yeah, he, yeah. Maybe lead, lead Bruce. How many posts did he hit? And how many? How many great saves? But how many times did you think he's a sure goal? And somehow, instead of picking the corner, he chewed it into the middle of the net, and the goalie had somehow got a piece of it. Like part of it was just, just. How many goals did he get? Four. Yeah, four. Yeah, I think hey, it was. He four had goals and seven assists in fifty games. So, so according. When you and I were watching the games, Bruce, we counted him with 37 grade A scoring chance shots. Mm-hmm. So we know on average about 25% of those shots go yeah. in. So, uh, you know, he should have had about double the goals or should have had about eight, eight, to ten ten, eight to 10 goals, right? In 50 games. If he had had, let's say he had, had potted 10 goals in 50 games, I think he'd be, people would be a lot more amenable to him coming back. I don't think yeah. he's coming back. No, I don't either. That's All why right. I thought he was an unrestricted free agent. <laughs> Let's not get into that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for talking, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.